Everybody excited? That should excite us. That excites me. I am so excited, so, I guess anxious is the right word, just prayerfully anxious, I guess, would be the word, because the truth is, our simple plans are never going to measure up to what God's going to do in this place, and I mean, I'm so looking forward to that. You know, a year in, we're going to be able to talk about what God has done to this point. What's it going to look like in two years? What's it going to look like in three years? What's it going to look like in five years when this church, and it all started right here in this place, is sending missionaries to people groups that have never heard the name of Jesus? And it's going to start right here with us because God wants to use each and every one of us for his eternal purposes. And that's exciting. And he's already been in this place this morning. He's already been active in this place this morning. And I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done doing something in this place. So let's just keep moving forward, but I'm so excited, and I hope you are too. Uh, my name's Eric Smith. I'm a Connect Group leader here, and um, you know, and so I have the opportunity to kind of go through and keep walking with us as we go through this uh, 412 reading plan that we're doing as a church, and hopefully you're following along. Uh, we're in Thessalonians now, so we're working our way right on through the New Testament. We're excited about it, not far away from getting to the end of this thing and then taking that next step, but um, we're going to be working out of Thessalonians uh, four and five this morning. It's, uh, it, it's just to give you a little background of what's going on in the church at Thessalonica. Paul and Silas planted this church. Uh, they had been there from, you can see some of this in Acts. They come into this place. They preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it moved people so much that immediately large portions of the people started to surrender their lives to Jesus. They gave everything. They gave their dedication, their time, their energy, everything to the gospel. They were so moved by the power of what Paul was preaching of Jesus Christ that they just turned away from everything, all the way to the point of persecution. Persecution weighed heavy down because now where there was a king, the people are, pra are praising the name of another king. And so, of course, that just leads to persecution. You begin to see people just suffering all the way to the point to where Paul and Silas had to sneak out just to get away from the authority of the land. This is one of the earliest letters we get from Paul. It might be the earliest one we have. And it's just a powerful way because you see Paul trying to connect to these people that he loved. Timothy had come back, he'd given him a good report. And so he reaches out to these people to encourage them, to, tell, to let them know, hey, I hear what you're doing. And I'm excited about it, and I just want to encourage you to keep doing more. Hey, I hear how you're, how you're dedicating everything to the hope that you've heard from the message of Jesus Christ. And it's just, it's a powerful thing to hear, Paul, because he uses some incredible imagery in the way he describes himself and the way he felt towards them and the way they felt towards Paul and Silas. And, and so you can really feel his heart for these people, and he's just so excited to reach out to them, to encourage them, and to answer a few questions that they have. And so as he's laying out this letter, he has several main points that are going to be linked to one overall main point. And so as he goes through, he's just encouraging them to remember that Jesus Christ is coming. He's hearing how they're living every day in anticipation of that return of Christ. They know it, they hear it, they don't know the time or the day, and no one will, but they're excited about it, and so that's translating itself into their daily activities, the way they're going about their day, the way they are praying, the way they are meeting together, the way they're encouraging one another. It's all 
hanging on the hope that soon Jesus Christ is going to come. They are going to get to see the king. And so you get to see it, everything they're doing, and Paul's encouraging for it. And as he's laying out the points, he links each one of his points to that overall thought. In verse 10 of chapter 1, he links it with salvation. In verse 19 and 20 of chapter 2, it's with their service. In verse 13, it's with just satisfaction, satisfied in the fact that Christ is coming. In verse 13 and 18, which is where we're going to be today of, verse, of uh, chapter 4, it's with their comfort and their distress because they're worried. They have concerns. They have questions. And then finally in verse 23, it's with separation. And he's linking all of this. He's hanging all of this of the overall main theme that everything hangs on the truth that one day Jesus Christ is coming back. And so let everything funnel in to that truth. Let that be the anchor of our hope. So we're going to read, let's, if you got it, you can go ahead and turn there. If not, it'll be on the screens. It's 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we will tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, Encourage one another with these words. It's just such a powerful image. It's, such a, it's just what's that going to look like? But see, Paul's heard from the believers there that they're having questions because they've been living their life focused on this one point, expecting the return of Christ every moment of every day. They're hanging on the, is this that moment? Just anticipation, excitement, is this the day? Is this the moment? Is he about to come? Are we about to hear the trumpet? And then people begin to die. Some are martyred. And so now they have a concern. They have a question. What about those who have went to sleep, who are not going to be here to witness the coming of our Lord? And so Paul sends this out to encourage them, to let them know that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't have to grieve like the rest of the world, like the unbelievers of that place, because we have something to hold on to. We have a hope that goes beyond even death. So cling to that hope. We don't have to grieve. Not that there won't be grief. For anyone who's ever lost someone, of course there's gonna be grief. But we just grieve differently. We grieve with a different hope. We knew a young girl in Effingham. She was in my daughter's class, same age as my daughter. She was on the playground and she fell. It seemed weird, but she came in and she come to the lunchroom and she fell again. And it was, there was something there. Something wasn't right. So they took her to the doctor and eventually they landed in the hospital and they found out She had one of the worst brain cancers 
that a child could have. That there was almost no chance she was gonna live. And even a slim chance that she would make it more than a year. And so as his family found out this news, as they began this journey with cancer and with medicine and treatment and the, you know, and just going, okay, well, let's just do what we can do to make all the time that we have with her matter, to make it special, to just hold on to that. And the community gathered around them and the community watched this family as they walked this terrible road that nobody wants to walk. But I can promise you, I've never seen a family walk this road with such a hope like this family did. They were constantly, she was quoting Bible scriptures. She was encouraging the people around her, a mother, a father, knowing what's to come. And they're just reaching out to the community and going, it's okay, because we have hope. It was the most beautiful and incredible thing. So many people heard the hope of Christ because they believed there was something more than death, that that wasn't gonna be the end. And so, Ella was gonna be healed one way or the other. They prayed, but they knew that whatever was going on was temporal, that it had no impact on eternity. They knew where Ella was going, and they know, and they still know and believe that there's a day coming, they're gonna see her again. They grieved with hope as she passed away, as they held her and she passed away in their bed. And so we went to the funeral, and we were at a huge auditorium, and it was filled. People from the community, everybody coming. And we worshiped. We worshiped. They sang songs that worshiped God. After a moment of losing their daughter, they worshiped God. That doesn't make sense to the rest of the world to stand there knowing what's going on in that moment and they lifted their hands and they praised the name of the Lord. How? How is that even possible? How can someone do that? There's a hope that they're clinging to. There's a hope that they're living for. There's something more than what this world has. Even this flesh is nothing but temporal. It's gonna pass away. There's no fear You've been hearing about that this morning. Every, there's no such thing as fear because fear has no power because all of this is temporal. It's all going away and one day Jesus Christ is coming. That's what we have to hope for. What can harm us? What can bother us? What can shake us if every day we're, leaving our, we're living our life in that moment? Is this the moment I get to see Christ? Is this the moment he's coming back in triumph? Is this the moment of our victory? That's hope. And they clung to that hope in such a way. It was, it was the most encouraging thing I've ever seen. I had a window into this. And it's one of the scariest things you can imagine as a parent. 
And I know, I know there are parents in here, and I know just talking about this story gives you an angst, because I have it myself. But I'm clinging to hope that there's something more than just this life. Because there is. There is. And Paul is telling them, sure, these people have went to sleep, and sure, there's going to be grief, but grieve with hope. Because all that's in this world is temporal. Everything we see, our cars, our homes, our trips, everything that we do is temporal. Everything that we see in this world is the future yard sale and landfills of this world. Your house, your stuff, it's decaying. It's in a constant state of decay. This stage I'm standing on is decaying right now. Everything, it's in a constant state of decay. But yeah, we work so hard for it. We work so hard for this stuff that one day is just gonna be ash. I gotta have this car, I gotta have this house, I gotta have this job, I gotta make sure our kids are in this school, I gotta make sure that we're doing all these things. And don't hear me wrong, those things are good things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with your kids being in a private school. There's nothing wrong with having a house and a car. There's nothing wrong with having a good job that pays. But what's the end game? What's the purpose? The truth is you didn't even earn it anyways. God is sovereign and he gave it to you. It's all his anyways. So we get these things and we receive them, but what are we using them for? It's just gonna rot, it's just gonna be ash one day. Your home, a great home is fantastic. I pray every one of us have a great home. But what's it for? Is my home a place that welcomes in the broken and the lost? Is my home a place where when people walk in, they feel the presence of, the God, of God because we pray, because we do devotions, because we love one another the way Christ called us to love? Is that my home? Is that what it's being used for? Or is it just a home that I like because it makes me feel good about myself? My car. I need a car. I got to have it. I got to go to work. I got to pay the bills. But what is it? It's a car. And if you ever seen my car, you would realize I'm there with it when it comes to just a car because I don't take care of my car the way I should at all. It's dirty, it needs to be washed, just got repaired, praise God, someone did something for me to help me out. I, I'm there on the, on the car part, God, we good. But it is, it's temporal, it's stuff. Matthew 6, 19 and 20, it warns us of this, doesn't it? Don't store up treasures, treasures for ourselves on earth where moths and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, we should store up our treasures in heaven because where our treasures are, our treasures are, what? So there will be our heart. Where's our treasure this morning? Where's my treasure this morning? Is it in something that's gonna be future ash? Or is it gonna be something greater, something eternal? Even our bodies right? I mean, what are our bodies doing? They're breaking down. Do you know your ears and your nose never stop growing? Good luck with that as you get old. They don't. We reach a point in our growth that we are fully grown. And from that moment, we're in a constant state of decline. We're trailing off. It happens. Trust me, I know. I slid playing softball not too long ago, and I'm pretty sure I blew out both my knees. I can't even go up steps anymore. 
We're in a constant state of decline. It's hard. This stuff is hard. It's horrible. It hurts. But we, as this vessel, are eventually going to join every other organism. As we get fully grown, we begin to break down. We do. If something terrible doesn't happen first, right? And as we live in these bodies, we know, and this is tough, it's hard, eventually, there's going to be loss. We're going to lose someone. Something's going to happen. Someone's going to get that phone call. We may get that phone call. We may be worried about that phone call. There may be people in this place right now that are worried about that phone call that's coming. What's it going to be? And this is heavy. There's weight. I understand. I know how it feels. I'm, in three weeks, I'm turning 40. I know it's hard to believe. But I am. And if I'm not careful, the reality of that can set in. That, hey, best case scenario, I've lived half my life. Worst case scenario, it might be tomorrow. I don't know. But that's the point. We cling to these bodies as if somehow or another we have some control over it, as if we control what's going to happen from second to second, as if we decide when this time on earth is done. And we, and we have no control over that. We have no power or authority when it comes to that. There's nothing that this world has that can offer me that's going to make me feel better about any of it because it's temporal. It's all temporary. This body, this shell I'm living in, it's temporary. And everything I have is either rusting or dying. We have to change our perspective. We have to move past these temporal lenses that we wear all the time, where we see stuff in the now, and we need it now, and I need my answer from God now, and I need that phone call to be right now, and I need that house now, and I need everything now, God. We have to shake those lenses and get into that place where we're putting on those lenses that reveal that everything we are doing has eternal significance. Everything. That we can even cling to the hope that there is an eternity. Isn't that good news for us who have to see this temporal stuff fading away all the time? Isn't that the best news that Christine and her husband could ever hear about what happened with Ella? There's hope. This is just temporary. There's an eternity that's waiting, that's promised to us who are believers in Christ that is going to be the most incredible thing we're going to experience ever. Words can't describe what's going to happen. Everything will be made new. Cancer ravaged her body. We want to take Beth. She's going to be the most beautiful thing we've ever seen when we get to heaven. It's going to be the most beautiful thing. And that's the same for all of us who have lost. Isn't that the hope? Isn't that the hope that one day we will see him again? And when we do, it's going to be the most beautiful thing because we have these promised glorified bodies that are never going to hurt, that are never going to decay, that are never going to break down. And we're not going to lose. We're not going to have to worry or fear for things that are coming because we know our God is with us. He's the son. We see him. We are with him. His presence is with us. We have these glorified bodies. And like his word says, there will be no more tears. What a day. What a day that's going to be for us. 
But we have to get to this place where we realize that there's a hope. And if there's a hope that's even in the face of death, then can't that hope change the way we live right now? Shouldn't that hope change the way we live right now? It should affect everything we do is for the eternal. I'm gonna do this really fast and you're just gonna have to work with me. This is a Francis Chan illustration because he's way smarter than I am. And so I'll just steal it. So let's just imagine for the sake of our minds, because I mean, it's true, eternity's hard to get our finite minds around, that this string, never-ending string, goes out into eternity, right? And this part right here, if everyone can see it, is what represents our life here on earth. And so everything that we do, Francis Chan says, goes in to the hope that this last little bit right here is easy. Then my life will be full when I get to that age if I make it, right? My house, my car, my comforts, everything will be taken care of. And so everything I'm doing in this space is so that this space is good. So that this little bit of my life is nice. I'm retired, I have grandkids, I have a wonderful place. There's no money issues, I'm financially secure, I'm, I'm okay, right? But what about all of this? All of this is spending no time with the thought that we're affecting all of this, right? Everything we do has, has eternal significance. It has an impact. Even more so, the things we don't do also has eternal impact. It has an eternal significance. We are going to be affecting this world and the next in one way, shape, or form with everything we do, even if it's nothing. Who's more accountable? the one who commits a crime or the one who could have stopped it and didn't. And I know you've heard that before, but that's passivity. That's passivity. And we saw passivity in the beginning, didn't we? As Adam just stood by and watched. So it has to change things. This news, this gospel message, just like it changed the things for the Thessalonians, it has to change things. Eternity has to change things. It has to change our lives. It has to change what we're doing day to day. It has to change how we view the world, how we respond. It has an impact because we have a gospel message that changes everything for us. And we have to cling to it. Jesus died on the cross for me and you. And he gave us his righteousness so that we can stand rightly before God, so that we can become daughters and sons of God. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And in three days he rose again. And he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. And praise God, one day he's coming again. But until that day comes, or until our death, 
which is still good news because when we close our eyes, the split second we close our eyes, we open them, we're in the presence of a king. That's still good news. There's something more coming. There's something more that we should be working towards. There's something more that we should be hoping for. Our eternal perspective has got to come into play. We have got to realize where we are. When you take that line right there, if you're not in a connect group and it looks like a lot of us are, and if you're not, that's an incredible place. If you're not in one, I know a pretty good connect group leader. You're welcome to come hang out with us anytime you like. But if you get into your connect group or if you have some close friends who are gonna answer you truthfully but with love, ask them. If you look at my life, what do you think I'm living my life for? What am I living my life towards? What am I hanging my hope on and how is that impacting my life? Does it look like I'm trusting in eternity and I'm trusting that eternal promise of Christ? Or does it look like I'm just working for the now? Because if I'm working for the now, sooner or later there's gonna be some news that shakes me, right? There are people in here right now who know someone that just got the worst call of their life. If not, you know someone that knows someone that did. You know someone right now who's struggling financially. Maybe that's you. You know someone who's just afraid because they don't know what the next day is gonna bring because what they know to this point is every other day that they've seen has not been good. So why wouldn't they just get worse? And so they're crippled with fear. They're crippled with anxiety. You know someone who is so depressed because they feel like they aren't worthy. They feel like they are nothing when it comes to what they see in the rest of the world. Or maybe that's us. Maybe that's me. But where are we at? How is that affecting us to the point to where we are so crippled by those thoughts that we forget we have a hope that is bigger than anything this world will ever offer? A hope that is so great, I don't even have to fear death. Because if I die, I'm with my king. And if not, and if I get to see that day, just imagine that day when Christ returns. You hear the trumpet call of the archangel and you look to the sky and Jesus comes in triumphantly. It says every knee will bow because that's gonna be how powerful the landscape is, that there is no response whether I believed in him or not into that moment, but to fall on my knees and get on my face because the king has returned. That's hope. I don't have to be afraid of cancer. I don't have to be afraid of bankruptcy. I don't have to be afraid of depression or anxiety. I don't have to be afraid anymore because I'm a son of God. What can this world do to me? What does this world have this power over me? What can a man do to me but kill me? Then I'm seeing Christ. There is nothing that this world has that's greater than my king. I have hope. I have a hope that I can cling to. I have a hope that transforms everything. It changes my life. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be a slave to fear because I know the gospel and it changes everything. It changes my comfort, it changes my inspiration, it changes my hope, right? What I'm hoping in moves from something temporal to something eternal. I have a gospel that's forever, that's eternal.
I just hold on to it? How will that change my life? How will that change my day to day? How will I look to the world and they see these storms that have no power over me because I have no fear, because I have Christ, I have a King. Even death has no grips over me because I know the one who came out of the tomb. And so for some of us, that's incredible. That's a hope that hopefully we have or a hope that we're longing for. It's a hope we have to work towards. It's a hope we have to put effort into. But for some of us, this all sounds foreign. The eternal has never been an issue. The eternal has never been a thought. The only thing I know is the right now, and I know the right now isn't good. Some of us have never heard the gospel message and responded to it and claimed victory. And if that's you this morning, if that's you in this place, if you've never responded after you heard the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for your sins so that you could spend eternity with God, so that you could praise him, as the Bible says, for all eternity. If that's you this morning, if you are so crippled by fear of what's next, because you've never clung to the gospel message, you've never clung to the hope that comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in a second. And this place is gonna erupt in celebration. And I know your heart's racing, I know you're nervous, I know you're worried about it, I still remember that. I dodged it and dodged it and dodged it and kept going, I'll get it next time. But the Bible says none of us are promised tomorrow. None of us had the assurance that there's even gonna be a next time. And if that's the Holy Spirit working on your heart, that anxiety, that fear, that nervousness, if the Holy Spirit is going now, now is the time for you, then just raise your hand and we're gonna celebrate because there's another child of God. There's another one that's been set free. Thomas Akempis said this, for a small reward, a man will hurry away on a long journey, while for eternal life, man will hardly take a single step. If you don't know Jesus, think of all you've chased after, hoping for some reward that you never got. And in a moment, you're gonna have that opportunity for the one that's the greatest reward man has ever known. Freedom in everything because of the blood of Jesus. So if that's you this morning, if you've never known Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, will you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Then for the rest of us, I'm just gonna ask you, if someone looked at your life, what would they say you find your hope in? What would they think you built your life on? What would they say you cling to? I'm not 100% sure what my answer is. But we're gonna have a time, we're gonna worship. Thomas is gonna sing a song. We have heard all day that you don't have to fear because of Christ. We have a hope that is greater than even death. If there's something that you wanna to bring to this altar, if there's something that you're worried about, something that you're afraid of, some news that you're scared of, if there's other people that you know who are going through something and you just wanna pray for them, this is that moment. Why would we leave this place where we can meet Jesus and just experience that great hope again? There's freedom in these moments.
that we don't have to be bound by fear. We don't have to be bound by these things. Why would we not come up here and leave it at the foot of the cross and leave it? But this is our time to worship. And if you don't have anything, then we don't have anything else to do but worship God for the season that we're in. So Thomas is going to sing. I'm so thankful for y'all being here. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. So thankful for what's going on in Connection Church. But this is the altar. This is your time. Let's stand and worship God. This time is yours. God bless you.